Exit for Podcast Mutants, Magic, and Marvels is brought to you by the Cage Club Network. So for all things media, check out cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. And for all things X's for Podcast, check out X's for Podcast on Twitter and YouTube. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Spellbound edition of X's for Podcast. I am Nico, and you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at NicoAction. That is N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N, and I am definitely not a mutant. And I'm TK. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at XNateXGrayX, and I am still dealing with my attraction to Warlock in this issue that we're about to discuss. Hey everybody, it's Nathan. You can find me online at Dazzler AOA at Twitter and Instagram. That's Dazzler, like that hot punk look that Warlock has, DK. You are absolutely right. Oh, mm-hmm. oh my god. Hi folks, that makes me Tori. You can find me on Twitter at Tori underscore Sheehan and on Instagram at SMTori. And you know, they didn't fuck up the stagecraft stuff that badly, so that's nice. That is a humongous relief. You have no idea how <laughs> proud I am to hear that. <laughs> And if you want to see me floating along in a cabin berating my sister for getting the story of Cinderella wrong, you can follow me over on Twitter and Instagram at Peak Jonah. That's P-E-A-K. And we hope you survive this experience. Guys, I am like fucking over the moon to talk about this. So one more time, this all happened because I was doing some Lila Cheney research, came across a book, Spellbound. I'd never heard of it. You know, Lila Cheney isn't an overtly magical character. So I really thought when I found this book we would talk about the fourth issue and we would just get a a really cool new mutant story out of it you know cannonballs looking fucking fine on the cover and i assumed that that was rain but it turns out it's snarl and uh (laughs) i had some real concerns about that cover for a minute What's a, what's a rain? What what? It's a wolf girl who gets involved in the worst stories. She's a she is a mutant werewolf who, unfortunately, from like there's definitely about four issues at least where an artist draws her looking not unlike Snarl. Huh. Yeah. Yada yada. Well, I I just never I never thought this book would turn into something that I love so much. I bought one of the 1988 comic size like wall size posters meant for comic shops and we will be giving away a complete set of spellbound i have an additional set that i am excited to give away to somebody who just can't imagine that this cracked out dreamscape is real i really thought we were going to talk about like the whole series in like 20 minutes and like laugh a little bit about some of the sillier parts and talk about some of the parts that were so interesting and how the art was so detailed and beautiful and like i think we've all kind of just given into the fucking madness i think we are all just part of spellbound now like i think about this book sometimes like i'll just kind of be laying in bed and i'll just be like i wonder what i would do with the crown i'm like i think we are i think we're all wheezing with wheezy the the power is coursing through me and i'm slowly going insane i just fucking love this book and so but guys this issue has some of my favorite erica dialogue so like i think erica is a fucking like laura palmer level level queen i think she is like the most underserved underloved best thing to ever fucking come out of marvel like she is gene gray amazing i i don't understand if anyone reads this and doesn't think erica for president well 
no of hell maybe but so when she says i mean I, hi doc smoot i know it's early but no i'm not a mutant <laughs> Why am I bothering you? I work for you, teaching at the university, remember? And look, I didn't mean to destroy Andrew's lab. He was testing me, and I lost control. Yes, I understand. Goodbye. (laughs) Smoot fired me. He fired me. (laughs) When mom died, I promised to keep the family together. And Andrew's right there. Is he undoing his tie to love her better? He is undoing his tie. (laughs) (laughs) This book gives me the most incredible soap opera. Like, this is Lynch levels of soap opera psychosis. And one of the things that I think makes this book so good is that Lord Z is just like, fuck, I'm going to kill this bitch. And just like (laughs) rips the side of the building (laughs) (laughs) And she just flies away and leaves them. (laughs) Oh my God, she's such a queen. Like, I think my favorite moment of the whole thing is right after that, she got fired and he, she just like leans into Andrew and she's like, we need my salary. Like, oh, how Maybe realistic. Maybe let your brother break dance for money. Well, that that's what truly, he does. There, that is truly ends up being a real important option for the family survival. <laughs> that is yeah. the same part. At no point is anybody like, I mean, that's really sweet, Roy, but we need an actual plan. <laughs> it's actually like, we do need to figure out this break dancing situation because it is our own option for money. <laughs> oh my god so i think that one of the things that is so incredible about this book is if you guys read on page nine where she has been fighting with lord z lord z's eyes are blinded by the paparazzi cameras but erica's just posing <laughs> she just stops fighting and she just starts posing for the camera but the camera drives away Lord C (laughs) and then they all go down a slide to get out of the apartment building which they no longer really need to do because they have driven away the only source of conflict that was a threat to them oh my god oh my god oh my god it's just so ridiculous in like the best way it's it's such a cracked out fever dream and like one of my I just love it The the next page with Andrew grabbing her ankle to like pull her down from flights. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Just iconic. Oh, well, Snarl's got his trench coat on and a hat. <laughs> yeah. I love that he's just wearing the full on, uh, you know, Ben Grimm. He's just really, it's Ben Grimm or Public Flasher. That's the only two people that wear that costume. And, you know, as I'm reading this, I'm like literally thinking this is such an insane, unbelievable take on this sort of superhero stuff. This is, I mean, she's literally mugging for the camera. When Andrew pulled her leg, that's the first time I really noticed her shoes are ballet slippers. Yeah, they're ballet slippers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) She is full on Cynthia, like the doll. She is. She is that. She is jazzercising her way through magic. And I really think that one of the things that makes this book, one of the things that makes this book a joy to discuss is that there's no limit to how fast this book moves. And soon, uptown, soon as we get farther away, Snarl, I'll call that agent. Oh my God. (laughs) They got the gig. And this changes everything. We can't do it, guys. What if Zax comes for after me and Snarl? It'll endanger. What are you talking about, Roy? He was after (laughs) your sister, not you. 
this is my only chance not to Me, drive trucks like my pa. Here's, you know, the perfect example of dramatic irony where we, the audience, know that Lord Z is looking for Roy. <laughs> not only three panels before this, where he says, huh, I'll go after her brother and sister because that's the link that'll turn her mad. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. I, I guess I guess they wouldn't know that, but we do. So I guess we get to be like, Roy, no, don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> are are you also telling me that Lord Z is hiding against that giant marquee on a rooftop, bathed in light, staring at these people, and no one notices him? I mean, he's literally bigger than the fucking building. Look <laughs> at him up on that building. Oh my god, he's so huge. Maybe they think he's a really fancy gargle. Just, just another manic Monday. I... Also, I love that. So Erica gets fired from her job and is like, what are we going to do? And Andrew's solution is let's just get out of town and chill for a while. Like, I know you're being followed by a giant dragon person and you guys are in a magic fight to the death and you're slowly losing your mind. I actually have a cabin upstate. So problem solved. <laughs> and really at this point, Roy is the person I respect the most because he says me and my friend actually have other plans. Please go without us. <laughs> I think that is the most logical thing to have done in that case. I'm I'm starting to question and the fact that Andrew is like let's just go, let, we'll go to a cabin that'll that'll fix this. Andrew has become a problem for me now. Andrew actually like has the sickness. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he is like I'll just take her away from everything. I'll cure her with distance. And I think like, I can fix her. Oh, oh no, my not my Porsche. <laughs> okay. Top Sally, you want the top? Okay, when I say that, Top Sally, you want the top? It usually does not turn out like this, <laughs> right? And that's, she turned, like, why wouldn't you want that car? That car is amazing. Run over everyone. You're a queen now. Yes. And, like, there's a part of me that's just, like, I know that we're supposed to be, like, oh, my God, Erica, how could you? But there's a part of me that's just, like, do it. Do it for the gram. Yo, check out the legs on that cop. Do right? it. Right? That's all I can think about. That co- The fetish cop is the is the real star yes. of this story now. But, like, I, it, it just feels so weird because we just got through not, not a few pages earlier her saying, you know, I, I have to be better. I don't want to go mad. And then <laughs> she just starts out of nowhere starts using her magic and like she's like aren't you impressed he's like no put my car back together why did you change my car you bitch and she was (laughs) like but this is wonderful it's not hurting anybody truly very interesting metaphor for addiction but also weird because (laughs) (laughs) because like i don't know if we're supposed to feel bad for erica we're supposed to root for her we don't know where erica is going outside of she's going to a cabin I mean, it comes down to what Tori said for me. Tori, you really, you made this book so much better for me when you said she has everything to be redeemed. And then they just don't. They just don't. And I I love it. And there's something so cool about all of the yellow and green to tell this story and the reds. Like, there is something so fucking fabulous about this color stuff and slight deep cut for our X crew. How much does it feel like Cataclysm was originally going to be the Exterminators? Huh. All of these super well-developed, and they could have been the Fallen Angels and like all of these well-developed characters who have this rich outside world, right? Like, I, I think this 
this is better than Fallen Angel. I think this is better than Exterminators. I think this is fantastic. Do we think that if this had been anything other than the New Mutants, that it would have overshadowed the rest of the of the story, kind of? like, oh, And, yeah, this, and this like huge. version of the New Mutants, where they're sort of not really there there? Yeah, this could not have been like the full X-Men. Like, if Storm were here, I would have just been reading the Storm book instead. Right. Well, I mean, that of course depends on how it's written. I mean, my problem is Ilyana is the Storm of the New Mutants. Like, Ilyana in this situation, the fact that she's not like, I'm gonna fucking fight this magic dragon because that is my shit nobody does better magic than me like i'm now in this fight that's all i want to see and so the fact that louise simonson is just like i of course i cannot fit a magic has a dick measuring contest with a magical dragon from another universe like i think that's the right choice good job louise wouldn't probably would not have helped the story but like at that point if you're gonna put some mutants in a story and be like but don't worry i'm not gonna let them overshadow it i technically do think it could have been anybody I would kill to see certain mutants involved with the spellbinder situation. Again, Ilyana's top of that list because I just think like the storytelling potential is limitless. And also, do you think it had to be mutants? Why couldn't it have been someone else in Manhattan? It definitely could have been. It could have been Spider-Man like because she's just right. All this is is an appearance. Mm -hmm. And and she just happened to write new mutants. Right, exactly. And I love them and I think it's really cute. And obviously the Lila Cheney thing is really like it's all so good. I do yearn for more and also at the same time get why it couldn't happen. But God, Ilyana versus the Spellbinders, 12 issues, done. Mm-hmm. I almost think it had to be this group. Like Sam had to be there. Like he could have like picked two other friends, like maybe Beto and like Yana. But like it had to be to get that story unless you want to trade Lila Cheney with like Dazzler and like have them try to open for Dazzler's beatboxers. I think if that's the story beat that Louise really wanted to put in there, like her beatbox brother is going to like save the day. Like I think you had to have Lila. I wish they had infected Lord Z with the technarchy. That's all I'm saying. Oh, yes. I'm just what's, saying. What's a technarchy? That's what, what Warlock, Warlock is. is made of. Uh, yeah. That's and the, that's the alienness people. of the computer. Okay. And it, like, it's a disease to humans and it like eventually takes you over and you become part of the technarchy. Uh, but Warlock is a mutant of his people in that he can love and stay single and sentient unto himself. So Warlock has the X gene but of the technarchy but and yeah. that, is that is why he's a mute so we have we have convergent evolution in yeah. x-men get yeah. into it yeah, yeah. Oh, in no. almost all the aliens who are mutants their oh, mutation no. is to oh, yeah. not be it's as love. aggressive oh, no. it's like love and not aggression no. like, and not. they're all bird people oh, they're yeah. all um, excuse fucking me bird. some of them are bug people oh, wait oh. okay oh no oh no I love that there's just this undercurrent of three minutes of Tori going, oh, no. Oh, no. Well, also, Namor is a mutant, but not in the way that we think. Namor is a mutant Atlantean, so he technically counts. But he's half human. He's half human. Nico and I had this conversation for 20 minutes. Namor Namor is biracial. Also, Ariel is a mutant of the coconut grove people. people. (laughs) Yes. There's, There's some great alien mutants out there. But literally, her mutation is not aggression. Like that, like everybody in her uh, like race has the ability to create the portals and doorways, but they're aggressive. Is that true? Yeah. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah, it's that's range, so good. Alien range. Uh, oh my god. All al- yeah. Brew. Yeah. It's just not love. Yep. yep. That's fucking yep. great. Um, but he's I, also a baby. 
Yes, yeah, the, yes. And a um, king, and we will always recognize this. <laughs> and and he could have been in this, and it would have added to it. I'm just, I think I see so much potential. Now, the ultimate thing about a Lila Cheney comic is it always ends with Lila teleporting the bad guys away, and I want to point out a really interesting thing about Lila's powers. Lila is psychically connected with a Dyson sphere. <laughs> Somehow, her mind, as a mutant, just connected to this Dyson sphere. But the clause in her powers is she can only go places she's been before. So And over into interstellar distance. Right. But does that mean she got to the Dyson sphere at some point? Yeah. It was probably when Earth tried to sell her. Yeah. Is a Dyson sphere the thing inside your vacuum? Or is that... <laughs> okay. You're amazing. It is... A Dyson sphere that. is like... Sorry. It's like an actual big science thing. It's okay. like... Uh, it's, right, uh, checking it's in. It's a habitation ring around the sun that usually harnesses power but like you'd have to be so advanced to make that and it usually uh, it like encircles the whole sun well i'm glad this is science and not pseudoscience ex-science this I time mean, the, the teleporting to it feels a little maybe <laughs> but i guess we'll find out i mean you could literally be like yeah she's connected to the to the flower zone i'd be like mm-hmm, tell me more <laughs> yes the dyson bone is connected to the flower zone that's absolutely how the bone dance goes and where you get the chaos emerald <laughs> How did she get house? Like, is that Dyson Sphere technology she brought back to Earth and made house? That's what I'm saying. There's a lot of questions. Now, that's just how the issue ends. Lila just kind of takes them away. And that's fine. I love the idea that Lila Cheney is so fucking powerful. She teleported away a spellbinder. My God. Now I want to see Lila Cheney go up against Doctor Strange. I just want... She teleported everybody else and left him behind, which I think is yeah. even. I'm pretty sure he's just left in a hole and going, "What the fuck?" <laughs> yeah, she took the whole concert, she finished it up stage in space, and everything, and then took them back, figuring that he probably just got bored and left. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I'm actually already looking at the cover of number five because I think the cover of number five is the greatest cover of any comic book of all time. And I can't believe that now we've talked about this issue for 30 minutes. <laughs> but I have to ask, how do you guys feel about this lost piece of New Mutants media? Well, maybe it should have stayed lost. <laughs> I'm say, no, I'm not ready to go there. I'm ready to say that it obviously is not remembered because it has no bearing. I, I do agree with that. And that's yeah. my, I, it's clearly not remembered because it has nothing really to do with the new mutants, but all I want is for it to have something to do with the new mutants. I want Lila Cheney to be walk, going around being like, I had, do you guys remember that fucking time with the dragon dude and the, I, Ilyana versus the spellbinder. I want it all. This should be the central new mutant story. <laughs> well, for one, I then hope Ilyana girl bosses turret says no. I did want to pose something. I don't think this issue is going to be collected in any new mutants in collectibles anytime <laughs> soon. I said to Nico, I think this concert should have been a Dazzler concert, and that would have made so much more sense, especially if Lord Z's weakness is light, apparently, <gasps> where he's constantly talking about, like, being blinded by shit, and Nico was like, well, you know, Wheezy Simonson at the time was writing New Mutants, and it's easier to use her own characters as opposed to asking Chris Claremont to use Dazzler, and I was like, but but it makes sense. It makes okay. sense if it oh. was Dazzler. The real answer has to be that Dazzler was outed as a mutant and was underground in the Gladiator. 
Gladiators at that time or around that time. Yeah, I was actually just having, oh no, it was Scott and Jean's wedding. Never mind. So it was before that. But my excuse for whenever Dazzler doesn't show up at a time where it's appropriate is she was in the Mojo verse helping Longshot fight the revolution. Oh, the 90s. You see, my usual explanation is that she's off being a herald of Galactus. <laughs> <laughs> yes! I will never stop bringing that up. <laughs> I'm going to tag in. I like to think of it as she has one of the hammers from uh, one of the fallen incursion verses. So I like to think she just runs around dazzle thawing. Why? Don't pray. She was so sad when she died. and She has it in the trunk of her car when she's signing autographs. Why? Because she's Dazzler. So she literally gets to be so baller that she has a fallen hammer from a lost universe in her car. As she's driving around in her van. <laughs> like very specifically, all of Asgard loves Dazzler. <laughs> yeah, they do. They so love, they love her more than a chantress. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's a low bar. <laughs> I haven't even met Enchantress really, and I'm still just like, I'm pretty sure, like a boring a rock with like one pointy side is better than Enchantress. Literally, Dazzler number one was like Dazzler versus Enchantress in the singing contest. Well, it was kind yes. of like a general general overall <laughs> <Yeah>. pageantry <laughs> contest. There was a lot of there's a lot of congeniality to the scoring and Enchantress has none and Dazzler has naivete, which translates to lovability. We well we love Enchantress's sons. Yes, we do. We do. Idric and Alvi, we love them very much. They oh, yeah. would be amazing characters in a Spellbinder follow-up series. Oh my god, that... in like their own band? Yes. Well, and doing magic stuff to Ragnar I mean, like, Rock and Roll. Can like be Sally's like big bro mentors when she goes to Strange Cat. Like she magically telekinetic out of nowhere and I was like, "What? No." That I'm just still sitting here thinking to myself like, "Yeah, these would all be great Spellbinder people, but like what is the fucking point of a Spellbinder?" <laughs> <laughs> we put all this goddamn power into some Thing, and it seems like all he does yeah. is turn shit to dust and be like, I really hope the other one doesn't wake up. Like, what? <laughs> what brings forth another spellbinder? What, like, what for- function do they have in this world? It's not strictly chaos. It's not strictly order. Like, what is the point of them? I hope no one ever answers this question, Jesus. but I love it and I think it's so important. How is it so rare, but one family has three spellbinders? Right. Oh my God. <laughs> but I need to step back because the most important thing we can talk about right now is Spellbound number five has the greatest cover of all time. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I cannot tell you. All I want to do is three tone books for the rest of my life. And they're going to be this <laughs> shade of purple, this shade of red, and white because whole. Holy shit. And one of the things that I think that this book captures so well, so fantastically, is take a look at the upper right corner, the corner box. It's legitimately her. Mm -hmm. And I love that. They want you to believe this book. They want you to be part of the magic. It's just the magic is terrifying and corrupted. And that's what you got to live with. And the, the nightmare that opens this issue issue that opening sequence is genuinely sad and terrifying and like i really think that this harsh ugly purple this but not by the light of day dark dingy sadness is like one of the best things wheezy simonson has ever done in her life there is so much she's losing herself to this it is like noah hawley legion good there is so much to be mine from these opening pages 
pages of her because it doesn't seem like she's all that sad about losing her mind like now I'm going to next to normal and I just want Alice Ripley to play, to play this character and it's all I can imagine but god damn I love this opening to issue five I mean all I can say is like everything that you said yes it's this horrifying nightmare fever dream like she's descending into madness and even though you can figure out pretty early on that it is a dream because you just you know that they were going to the cabin whatever like it's sad it's tragic you can really see that this is not going to be a story that's going to have a happy ending but also she's still in the leotard uh <laughs> leggings and ballet flats like there's something about it that's still just so purely like aesthetic absurdity nonsense mixed with the just like chaotic tragedy that it, it's not bad but it does really make me laugh even as i'm like oh shit this is heavy well you know she had to teach a jazzercise class at four but then she had to go to ballet <laughs> at five mm-hmm. and then at six she had to do a magical battle so like it all makes sense really hey, if you look at her is, schedule the 80s 80s women were very busy and cocaine was really expensive otherwise you just had to be like ready to go yep a really sad scary version of she works hard for the money starts <laughs> playing in the background there's some sort of weird caterwauling it's meant to sound kind of ethereal but mostly you know that it was recorded from a place of pain oh, oh no actually i feel like her life soundtrack is ain't no romance without finance uh yes. wow we're doing some deep cuts today folks um because andrew really does have a cabin upstate so the finances are secured yeah like we're good well her finances aren't secured she's gonna get kicked out no, of her apartment she's, she's in trouble but she has found the man that smooth has smote her <laughs> I feel like Andrew is that 80s guy who is like, no, honey, if we just if if we just stop, we'd, it'll all be over and we can all go home and have a good time. Like, like, I feel like this was a character trope back in the day. All I can think of is the boyfriend that delivers hot dogs in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, <laughs> who's just like trying to get her to understand that she can't actually have a fake career in fashion and she needs to like just focus her life and take care of her little brother and sister. The only thing that would have made this guy more... More 80s as if he was a stockbroker. Seriously. Yeah. And, you know, there's so much, just, I don't know, there's so much to be mined from how complex these characters are in six issues. I don't know how much of it is us having such a good time and projecting what we want into it, but I truly think there is even a wealth to the Cataclysm kids. So let's talk then about America's favorite band, Cataclysm. And so, okay, I have to tell you guys, I forever need my police officers to have that goddamn design on the back of their outfit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That is the greatest thing I've ever seen. So they're a rock band and they usually don't jump turnstiles. And then all of a sudden it is Lord Z. Okay, first of all, that bitch carries a knife. And she flat out cuts a giant demon lord. Hell yeah. She's not fucking around. She doesn't even wait. That's not hesitation. That's get behind me. I know how to do this. And like, that is 71871 great. She's clearly from Queens in that way that it matters. I think she was starting that slice before it had morphed into Lord Z. That was just yes. for a cop. That was not that was just for a cop. <laughs> 
And like this book moves in such episodes of mad psychosis. They're on the run from a giant dragon man on the subway where he he's bigger than a subway car <laughs> and is ripping the roof off of it. Ugh, yeah, I can't. I just can't. I love this book so much. And meanwhile, the rest of them are just upstate in a fucking cabin <laughs> chilling like kind of like she's floating at night. Also, that morning with just the white and purple like it was the stuff that just came before but like them in like the lack of light and it's just purple and white and Erica floating it's just absolutely gorgeous but mm-hmm. the next day the next morning where they're all just kind of up and about it's just compared to the insanity of the cataclysm kids it's so funny how it hard cuts to the cabin in a tickle fight a tickle fight <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> but like the cabin has one of the saddest moments in the entire series where like first of all I need to point out Erica you're really mean and like I understand you're <laughs> having a really bad day. <laughs> this monster? And uh, she she's like no I can't believe you need me to still read to you you idiot. Fine. There was once this honest gentleman and like I feel like that she can't even tell a story without accidentally summoning something that's being a spellbinder that like everything you do binds something into reality and this idea that she can't help it but like I honestly don't think she looks like she hates it she wants to be sick and she's okay with that and it's not her problem that you're not which is what makes her transformation like we are less than one issue from I'm gonna kill my sister like we are less than one issue from Erica going like Full on madness head. She is. I don't know what that means, but like, it's gonna happen. It's that hair. It's madness hair. Yeah, I don't know. Did everybody find this issue's Erica journey as sad as like I kept like I really did compare it to TK to like Lars von Trier and like like it really is that level of sickness. Yeah, and just again like the moments going from the nightmare to just her like reaching out to Andrew and then the hard cut to the insanity on the subway and then a hard cut to back to the cabin where it's kind of chill but then kind of sinister and then it's a hard cut back to New York it just like it keeps changing pace really fast and you start to get the same kind of like am I fucking crazy or is this book just completely off the walls yes yeah and I feel like that Erica's like am I fucking crazy or am I just making this book out of reality right now I think for me once I realized like we maybe weren't gonna get the the her like choosing the the side of rightness and and righteousness and justice and all those good things i was like oh i'm watching a really complicated villain origin story and i'm into it this is sort of the point where i was just like oh uh i like her better going full tilt crazy like i'm i'm more into it i'm more interested i was like the moment that i stopped being like yeah she'll snap out of it i was like no i dig this and i liked it a lot more but i also like villains a lot so i'm completely with you there really is something incredible and like even to point out if we watch the page where she is like look I made the book and it's amazing I can't stop look at my cool new book and then 
she's like, you know, oh, if I keep going crazier, you're going to leave me. Her hair becomes less magical. She becomes less gorgeous. She like literally normals. Because oh it's, yeah. it's so incredible. And like, this really is like a lost treasure. I don't know. I think this book, and like, what's interesting is I thought Snarl was, you know, an interesting character and that Snug and Snarl were going to play the magical side, but the magical characters become the normal ones. They just want a normal life. And the normal characters get sucked into the dark of the magic. And then Erica can't stop herself. She's making wings. She's flying. She's so sexual when she's magical. She jumps on Andrew. I just can't get enough Mm -hmm. of this fucking book. And then, but then randomly, like Roy just calls them. Like now, after all of this stuff has happened, after they've all, he's already been chased through a concert that he was playing by Lord Z. They've gone in the subway. They fucking cut the guy. They've run through the city. Now is the time that he calls them to be like, I need help. How did he get their number? Right? <laughs> they did not talk about that. He literally was like, I'm not going to the cabin. Bye. And turned around. Well, you know. Uh, mm. uh, I'm not suspend my Operator, operator have, you, have you seen anyone in, in Sleepy Hollow today by the name of Andrew? Well, yes, we have seen Andrew. He has been traveling with a crazy woman in a unitard. Yes. <laughs> yes, please. I... If you could dial me into them, that'd be ever so kind. <laughs> <laughs> Fully believe it and would have lived for that scene with like Lord Z in the background eating people like just like <laughs> killing various people and turning into them and he's just desperately trying to get this phone operator that is that is this book's normal that is baseline that I is a also wave. love that every opportunity he gets Lord Z has to talk about how the powers of chaos don't work on him because of the headband he right. brings it up every opportunity and I truly don't believe him I feel like he's compensating because why does he need to bring it up we know the only people reading this book are the people who read from the beginning i, I don't think anybody's speaking this book up randomly in book five and being like wait why can't these bands work on him oh why does he need to explain it every single time well, like that's the question you're asking that's that's what we've got the magic isn't working it uh no he brings it up all the time because he's really proud he made that himself yeah oh that's i don't believe that either i think he took it from the other <laughs> he definitely took it from the other <laughs> i don't believe anything he says because he does everybody just feels weird this is a weird book like and not even like i can ex- like in a weird way i can explain the weird i'm gonna say weird at least three more times after this weird but more importantly i don't understand lord z's motive because you brought this up before tori what does a spellbinder do is he actually evil is he good well i guess he blew up a planet and I, if, <laughs> but so did gene yeah. gray yeah but more importantly why am i saying more importantly so much but i just don't understand who we meant to root for roy so, well he so i like and so this is the thing is that the, the problem with having the other in the background is all we know is it's a shadowy hooded figure and all through like story time and in, in the grand scheme of things shadowy hooded figures are bad news so the dragon who wants to stop the shadowy figure must have some grain of importance righteousness justice whatever inside of him to make the other guy even worse and then we have eric 
Erica, who is better than the dragon currently, huh. so she must be super better than the sh- than the shadowy hooded guy. And I'm just left sitting here being like, but what are they supposed to be doing? Like, are they supposed to be the ones who come in and are like, this planet has pulled too much shit. It's dusting time. Like, is this is this the snap? Is this the Thanos we were supposed to get all along? But no, because. The- <laughs> But no, because there's nothing. There is just before this point, all we knew about Lord Z is that he had to go out and find Snarl. That's what it's one oh, of those. And then he trapped the he trapped the other, you know, that yeah. guy who was so self-important he named himself not himself in the first place. There's been so much expositional dump of everything that's going on. Like we are truly speed running a comic, like a comic run. And then nobody like thought to ask well, what do the spellbinders actually do? We don't. We, there's no actual explanation what what they do. They're also called spellbinders. They don't use actual magic. No. Why? Why are they called spellbinders? When you say spellbinder, I think of somebody who does like anti magic, like somebody who's meant to like stop magical things. But no, the only we've only just seen Lord Z blow up Snarl's planet for seemingly no reason, like just because he wanted to, like he was mad that they tried to find the other spellbinder. Yeah. I mean, we have the book, but it seems like they only pull out the book sometimes. Like as and, status. And also like the book becomes almost non-existent after book one, after issue one. When was the last time we saw it? It's like one of the things that happens when the book originally, like our book, the book Spellbound, originally was co-written, like that first issue by Carl Potts and Wheezy Simonson. And then the remaining issues were just Wheezy Simonson. So I am really fascinated by the turn of story as well. So we are at the end of issue five, just about, and Lord Z has Roy and Erica has decided to give Lord Z everything he wants because she believes she is strong enough to take him on. And she's having a gay old time with the universe in danger. But then, oh, right. The other scans dimensions. What the fuck is this guy doing here? Somebody's somebody's got to do their machina, you know? Well, not even a machina. He's like the third act villain who's been waiting in the wings the entire time but he actually doesn't do anything evil like he's there and he's like i'm gonna fight things and then he like he pulls like a rita repulsa slash power ranger kind of thing where he just his minion just becomes large make my monster grow (laughs) i know I know. (laughs) At the start of the sixth issue, it is very clear that Erica is on kind of like a kind of deranged path. And you go into this issue thinking that Erica is going to find herself and her love of her family. I think that panel where she cackles maniacally and she's just screaming into the night that she has the power. I think that it is just she's gone around the bend and Erica Fortune is here to kill everything you love and to be clear there is we can talk about this book this issue and we must but there is no this is pure chaos there's no way for us to linearly get 
get through anything in here. It is just insanity through and through. Just stuff on top of stuff. Things getting bigger. Things blowing up. No explanation for any of it. No justification. It's all just happening to the reader and the world at large. I don't think we discussed the fact that like we killed a priest. Oh yeah, we killed the priest. We made Andrew daddy for a little bit there so that little kids would stop making fun of Sally for having dead parents. That's right. Like there's a there's a lot. Oh, please go there. I, I mean, just I, I just the, the problem is we have to do a third episode now. And <laughs> this isn't what I wanted, but like <laughs> there's so much. There's there's just so much, but like yeah. at the end of the day, like it's all about the eventual like throwdown between Erica and Lord Z with the other coming in as Roy is growing into his own powers to like take over and stop his sister and Sally is also starting to show her own powers and Roy is where is is and Roy puts on the the gauntlets and we're all just I don't, I don't, I don't know I don't know I need someone else to summarize because I've and run Andrew's out of- also there like Andrew's definitely <laughs> present he's he's not going anywhere he's I love there for now. I I love Sally's journey in this too. Like she goes from like she can't read well to teaching Snug how to read, and then got like spellbinder powers. Like yay! And her biggest curse of all, her ugly hair was fixed, (laughs) bringing this story to its true fruition and closure. She knew I liked it better this way. Yeah. Yeah, she and did. There's so many chances where they're like, Erica, if you do this, it's a step too far. And she's like, okay. And like, they're like, Erica, we mean it. If you do another bad, and she's like, all right, here's she's like, two I'm literally bads. gonna do six more bads. Yes. <laughs> there's just a point where they're like, we can't, we can't take you back now. And she's like, wasn't asking. And like, it is out of control because the book also just ends. It doesn't end. It just ends, which is a very different thing. Like, I'm not kidding. It just stops. Yeah. Yeah. This definitely feels like this was six issues and maybe we'll get six more, but like you don't for five years. Yeah. And there's, there's so much like, don't you see Roy as nuts as she got, Erica still thought of all of us in big ways and little ones. Maybe, maybe she was only a little crazy or maybe a good kind of crazy after all. She's a manic pixie dream girl. No, that's snug. And also just like Roy does nothing differently, but is like, I figured out how to master the power. I'll just use it a little less. And then he doesn't, but it's okay. Like, okay. And Snug, like, sort of encourages us to understand that because she's like, oh, if we had only trained Erica, she wouldn't have gone mad. And I'm just like, so you're the fuck up here. Uh, You're the reason. Triply so. Because she's the one who negged Erica to release Lord Z after she disintegrated him for no reason. She clearly was not ready. And it just feels weird that Snug is the one to say... Maybe we should have trained Erica. Like, no shit, Snug. (laughs) And also, Snug is supposed to... Her race is the personification of order. And Snarls is the personification of chaos. And Snug is this? Is this? I don't. I don't. I don't agree. I disagree. Well, and then the sequel makes everything far more confusing. Yes. In so many ways. If you thought the ending of this was bad, the ending of 
of the sequel makes me want to upset very well, much. I feel like then what we have to do is we're going to have to come back together no. one more time. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's, it's just so fucking much to talk about. And like the sequel runs five incredible Marvel Comics Presents backup stories. And how can we not cover that? And it, it'll give us a chance to talk about some of the themes we didn't get a chance to talk about from these first two episodes. I, I don't know. I genuinely find Erica a truly cripplingly sad character. I think Roy is put upon but gets there. I think Andrew is so sick and sad and a bread Easton Ellis character kind of play. <laughs> I just think this should be required reading. Like it's it's just really one of a kind. I mean that. I am deeply fascinated yeah. on your Erica take, but I recognize it's a symptom of your Jean Grey syndrome. So yes, absolutely, exactly right. You don't even. I mean, all the context right there for you. I think Mrs. Lovett is one of the most sympathetic characters in all of Broadway. So like you know, yeah, because that's just true. But right, but the, I mean. The- the thing about Erica is because this lasts such a short amount of time and goes so hard panel to panel. She is like, she does not have any kind of Jean Grey moment where you're like, oh, like I really love her or she's a hero or, you know, she did redeem herself from that thing she did. It's just, she's like a kind of dull school marm. She gets powers. She's fucking insane for four and a half issues. (laughs) Like that's all, that's all you get. And she just goes deeper and deeper and crazier and crazier crazier there's no way off the ride and then it's just over like she has like half moments half a panel where she's like oh no maybe i shouldn't like there's never like as she's doing things a little thought bubble popping up like i wish i didn't feel like this was necessary oh how the madness is coming for me again like i have spent you know 1700 pages watching matt murdoch do this while fighting things like i'm pretty sure erica could do it too if she had those thoughts but she doesn't which i respect but i don't know if that that's tragic. I mean, it all started when a guy was like, hey, hey, good looking. Can I experiment on you? And she was like, okay. <laughs> so like, it's tragic. But also, can yeah. any telekinetic be a spellbinder? Because like, I'm still stuck on this. No, I think as that's long fair. As they're no, not a mute. Really Definitely not mutants. a mute. Definitely not a mute. Not a mute. Not a mute. I, I, they, all three of them are mutants. <laughs> they are. They are. Especially because they're like, mom said that if we showed anyone our powers, they would burn us like they did to her family. And I'm like, yeah. so you're mute. <laughs> that classic mutant family the fortunes <laughs> this is 50 miles an hour and you will not regret it it's so fun it, yeah, yeah i feel like this is all i'm gonna think about when i go to sleep in 10 minutes oh gosh uh how how do we get people to read this i mean you actually have to go out and buy it yeah. uh, it's beg marvel to print a trade paperback because it's just so good people yeah need who to do we gotta put it on marvel unlimited come on please yeah absolutely and we are giving away a set a complete set of spellbound one through six in pretty good condition you know understanding this is like a, a kind of dollar bin book so they've aged kind of rough over the years but we do have a complete set of spellbound for anyone who retweets or likes this episode so we are very excited to help put this book in the hands of people who need to see it uh, we're also going to put up an accompanying video with some of the art over on the hubs plus youtube which mm. is the youtube i run with my husband kevo so you can definitely check out some of the amazing art there
We are finally able to close out what has been one of the wildest rides of my 325 motherfucking episodes of this show in which time we have covered more than 1,500 issues. And we are at the end of what feels like the wildest journey we've ever taken. And it starts out with these super beings in a far off galaxy talking about spellbinding and making and unmaking universes with the forces of chaos and order. And it descends onto the life of this poor, unassuming English TA. By all accounts, she's not that fabulous at her job. She's got a hard family life. And by the end of the miniseries, she's lost her fucking mind. And she is poised to be a supervillain. And it's such a strange ending to the miniseries itself. And I'll be honest, when I decided to do this project, a huge lore was that I saw that she was considered an antagonist of the sequel how did you guys feel at the end of issue six i mean knowing there was more like knowing that part of this was that we were then going to dive into this marvel presents i instantly i was like there's just no way we get back into this story without erica being in a completely deranged place that is just going to be off the walls to pick this up from and in no way did the story disappoint as far as that is concerned i was concerned about how the follow-up would go i like the idea of the character that we're introduced to as the possible you know hero of the story really didn't save the day and i like the fact that she didn't have a good ending and you know i would have loved sally to take over instead of roy because i think roy needs to devote himself to beatboxing and playing the guitar and breakdancing i'm completely with you yeah right so like i'm just like ah it was fascinating if that was the complete story that would have been really interesting i will say that when nico approached me about this series he was like it's six issues don't worry about it and i was like okay and then i open up what he sends me and i'm like oh there's this extra thing i was like it's probably a print or like some letter that explains what the hell this all was all about and then so me finding that there's a bunch of like 30 extra pages was wild for me i got to the end of this and i was like this is the most intricate backstory i have ever ever gotten for a villain who is probably never going to become more than a villain because to me by the time we end on issue six there is almost no way that they could drag her back to the light like they can't anti-hero her like you could with loki or sometimes with dr doom or with magneto like you can't do that with her like she is just completely taken over she is the the phoenix without any gene left like she is just beyond and so we did all this setup of a villain, but there's no hero to like parallel with her unless you want to say that it's Roy. And so to then just completely drop Roy and have him never appear in anything else again, I honestly thought that Roy would be pulled for New Mutants or he'd be pulled for something else and Nika would go into how he had like a 50 episode like arc on some other team, blah, oh, blah, he blah. Thanos. Yeah, <laughs> like he just like appeared on the Avengers for three issues because like that's what they do, like whatever. And the fact that he 
didn't. And so the fact that we just had a six issue arc on like a villain backstory without any hero to go with it is such strange storytelling that just really highlights how strange and different this tale is from the rest of what Marvel was putting out at the time. No, we're pretending we're, we're back in the day and we're getting this as it's coming out. This is the end of the series and we don't get any new information. We don't get any more to the story until five years later. I would be a little disappointed because it feels there's no resolution. This is an ending, but nothing is really concluded. What exactly happened? Erica makes this big sacrifice to go to the dimension with Lord Z and the other, but we didn't have enough time to have any form of redemption because we also didn't really have enough time to see her turn evil in a convincing amount of time. So I think there are some interesting things here, like this being the backstory for somebody who is an antagonist and a villain, but I don't know if this ending is as big and good of a payoff as not only were we meant to led to believe externally, but internally. This book just goes so all over the place that you're like, how do you, how can you end this? And it kind of just feels like it just ends. I don't really find it satisfying that Erica makes this big sacrifice and they're like, gee, she really did care about us all along because the answer is no. At that point, she didn't care about anybody but herself. And we're just going to watch these characters, you know, buzz away and threaten to turn the reporters into elephants again. (laughs) It just feels like there wasn't a clear ending in mind because I'm still not sure exactly what this book was meant to tell us. I mean, I really agree. I don't think that Erica comes off like she's taking care of them at the end. She comes off like she's like, if I go through this portal, I can become a god. Like mm-hmm. she doesn't come off loving and warm. Excuse me, she fixed Sally's hair. She, <laughs> she did. The most well, noble sacrifice. It still looks like that. So how fixed is it? Mm-hmm. Well, so this book ends in 1988, right? This book comes to a close in 1988 and it isn't until the end of 1993 that Spellbound returns in the pages of Marvel Comics Presents 138 to 142. Now, what is truly most shocking about this five-part mini-series kind of backup tale is that it's actually done by most of the original creators. Original penciler and inker, as well as series co-creator Carl Potts, returned to do arts. (laughs) Arts, okay. (laughs) And the original assistant editor steps up as the the new writer, Bobby Chase. So it kind of feels like maybe this story was just still kicking around in these creators' heads, and they said, it's time to return. And it is... It's frustrating because this is kind of the sequel I want, but this is not how I wanted it. For a book that was already like way too jam-packed at six full issues, five eight-page backup stories feels just truly awful. One of the best things about Spellbound was the covers, and so that this doesn't contain any covers for Spellbound, but rather, you know, Wolverine covers because Marvel Comics Presents was an anthology title. It's it's a bit of a bummer, you know, but going into this miniseries, I did feel this was necessary. And oh my god, when it starts, Erica's already fucking nuts. Yeah. She's like a space sorceress goddess. How did you guys feel seeing Erica start this thing off as, you know, Barbie's dream nightmare? Okay, I love the transformation of her outfit. Just like the little touches that make it something extra. Like, she's not an aerobics superhero anymore. She is a dastardly villain. And that hair, oh my god, that hair is flawless for this. But I love how unhinged, like, she is, like, just completely bought into it. She 
she's like, Erica, who? I am a spellbinder. Yes, this is absolute power corrupting, absolutely, 100%. I want to give at least the start of this miniseries credit. I think it starts very strong. I think we see Erica. I will say, I think there should have maybe been a line or two or maybe a page dedicated to talking about what like happened. They split up Lord Z and Erica because it just seems that Erica is now in control of Lord Z's domain for no discernible reason. And then he sneaks up on her and he's like, gotcha, and puts her <laughs> in a crystal. And I wish that maybe there was something in reference to after the fight that she tricked him into giving uh, her the domain. Something along the lines just to just to help tie it a little bit better, especially if we're starting at the moment of the other has been dealt with, there's no mention of the other, and Erica's now running the show. I mean, on the one hand, it all diving right in is just what this story does, and so no matter what, it's gotta just keep doing it and just keep going at 100 miles an hour the whole time, even five years later. The fact that there are there's so much like connective tissue left out of something that seemed like it was already missing a lot of connective tissue. It feels like just so appropriate, but also like is the constant reminder of what is holding this back from being like truly one of the great stories. The fact that we start off with her as a villain and she's like fully unhinged is so good. But yeah, like it's missing a bunch of details that you would expect in a full story. And you know you're not getting them because this is just an anthology story and there's only going to be five issues. But the entire time like again you're just right back on the super insane super fast journey of erica fortune and you're somehow still wishing for like something to make it make a little bit of sense some of the time because you know i agree very much with jonah if they had just said like this is what happened off panel but the whole previously on is now we return to the continuing adventures of the magical spellbinders have fun and it's just like oh okay and i love that to prove his power lord z attacks a sleeping Erica, who does not seem like she's having the best time. And it really does feel like we are fast forwarding through a lot of what could maybe help this story feel a little bit more realized. Because by the time we return to Roy, this is where Roy very feels impossible to be the hero of the story. This is so 80s and it's in the 90s. Like, yeah. this is five years later, but it kind of feels like nothing skipped a beat. Did you notice just how unhinged she got because of the, some spices? Like, the girl really likes her spicy food. I was like, ah, oh, sorry. No, I mean, yeah, this is just like the wild ride that this follow-up is. I know it's not quite the same kind of book, but there is something about the whole, I'm going to just trap you in a crystal prison that is exactly the first series. But it also leads to a really interesting question. In the first series, Series, the way a spellbinder deals with a spellbinder is by destroying them with chaos. In this one, they trap the spellbinder in a crystal prison. Well, he does it because he wants to ransom her for the bands, which is like a relatively solid plan. But again, because this is spellbinder, it's not super like that's like one really quick line. And then he immediately is already kind of sabotaging that plan because he just wants to fight Roy. He doesn't want to like actually make a trade. So it's one of those things that like in typical spellbinder fashion there's like a plan set up and then it just completely derails to go off in other directions which is hilarious but also super confusing and you know part of the super confusing that I'm not sure what to do with is first of all I kind of do think adult Roy is kind of hot I just need to put that out there he's kind of got it going on for me in like a you know 90s update of the cockatoo twins kind of way he looks like the Ken doll that was like Ken's not gay but then all gay men bought it <laughs> everybody knows what oh, I'm yeah. talking about oh right? yeah 
Yeah, cock ring Ken. Yeah. <laughs> it was earring magic Ken. It just happened to look like a cock ring. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Question mark. How much time has passed? Do we have a confirmation on that like a year has passed? Do we know how much time has passed for Roy since we started this journey? I don't think so. I think it's just been some amount of time. It feels you like know. months, not not years. It's yes. gotta be because he stopped breakdancing and started playing the guitar. Yeah. It takes time. I, it's just like, oh, I feel something bad is happening my sister not like my sister who we recently saw or anything uh, but you know the other side of it that i think is really interesting is andrew is still around and oh, yes now there's this girlfriend jen who's hanging out with them and she's all upon roy and i'm really curious has nothing magical happened to them in the time since and once again snug sucks in this um but he is super double cheeked up on one panel that i cannot stop noticing every Every time I look at it, it's the second to last page of the first issue, and it's just like pure globular snarl butt. Oh my god! For yes. zero reason whatsoever. And as every time I flip through this again to like take notes, or oh my it, god, not there. <laughs> And he has like back abs too. It's just, again, this book unhinged from start to finish and every single continuation. Way to make me horny for Snarl now. Uh, I say justice for Lorenda. She she saw. She saw the double cheek. She saw the back abs. She knew what she wanted. <laughs> I just think it's really unreasonable though that Snarl comes to Earth and he's immediately trying to meet Earth fitness standards. So I do want to make one point though. <laughs> about the art that I didn't make about the sixth part when it happened. The sixth part of the original series featured assist from Al Milgram, who is, of course, you know, an industry legend credited as Alan Milgram here. And I made the comment of that this one kicks off with a pretty similar team. By the third part, we have a very clear fill-in crew and everything is totally different. I mean... Uh, just uh, it is a totally different book and it's one of those things where i think the artists really didn't have enough source material to reference so Mm -hmm. sally sort of morphs into a child and like i mean child child and snarl sort of i don't know gets more dog-like and ape-like and snug just becomes a giant fairy there is definitely some interesting changes to the art here that 90s it up halfway through 100 percent like even as someone who does art it's hard for me to notice sometimes when we swap between comics artists because they're so good at at understanding what the vibes for the art should be when they have a fill-in and this one i noticed immediately page one they're chained up their faces are completely different from what we've ever seen before it's a whole new thing yeah that sally the aging that really hit me hard one thing i like better about the second team is they used colors that were a little bit closer to the original Spellbound. So it kind of like gave that kind of feel because even with most of the older team, like the art was very similar, but it didn't have that vibrant color of the 80s color that Spellbound had. So it kind of made a really stark difference between the follow-up and the original. Yeah, Christy Shield, the original colorist, did depart the title and was replaced. So yeah, that's definitely thousand percent. But it definitely does give some Saturday morning cartoon vibes in a way that mm. is... 
you know, fun. It's just like because the one thing that the book does have is sort of stylistic consistency throughout most of the story to have such a big shift, like more 85% of the way there is a tough pill to swallow. Speaking of a tough pill to swallow, they just sort of defeat Lord Z in the third part of this by just like leaving. Like that's the whole plan. They just escape. So as as TK has pointed out since step one, the way that Roy uses his powers less is by using his powers just as much. <laughs> and it, you know, I do think there is something so 90s about Sally being like, not without my big sister, Erica. Number one, thank you for clarifying that there wasn't some other big sister we should worry about <laughs> two i do think it is so bizarre that number like lord z dies off panel basically he just gets sucked into this black hole and they escape and now they've got erica and this is the point at which yeah i guess unavoidably erica is the bad guy now because there's no one else to fight 100 and i feel like this format is too short to allow for any nuance or any introduction of a new person because by the time you're done Introducing, it's time to end the short issue. And so to me, like, this is the only thing we have left. It's either you redeem Erica or you just lean in. And they chose to lean in for better or for worse. I think that's kind of like what you have to do is lean into it. I'm just imagining what I would have felt if I was, you know, the little 11-year-old gay boy who had just happened to pick up Marvel Comics Presents for that Wolverine cover and, like, got this out of this world spellbound story. Like, I, ah, I'm just, I'm, like, lost in that thought. I think the problem with it is it's just really, even for the fact that you do really have to kind of pick one, you either give her the redemption arc or you lean into it. And Spellbound, you know, very obviously leans in the whole time. So it's predictable in a good way. It makes a lot of sense that they go in this direction. Even given all that, still, we never get to a point in any particular plot beat where it's like, oh, yeah, I can definitely see that. Or that's like a holistic storytelling moment that I really get. It's always just like, and this is the next thing that happened. And it is fully insane. And now our characters just have to deal with it. Which, again, is the charm of Spellbound. And also sometimes the thing that I'm just like, uh, I needed a little more to get myself there as a reader i think my only real qualms with the way they set up erica as the villain is that she's not distinguishable from lord z's antics everything she does she just does exactly what lord z does and it just feels weird only because i'd rather see how is erica mad how does this character act when they're in the state of madness and craving power and lusting after it how do you differentiate that and i wish that they would have gone in a different direction to show that Erica isn't just Lord Z. I really would have appreciated more nuance, like enough nuance and differentiation in their tactics as antagonists to help be like, okay, Erica is the villain. This is how she's going to be the villain. Well, I want to say that I do think that one of the key things that makes Erica so far removed from the Erica we knew, you know, this fourth part really is fascinating, not just artistically, but for the fact that it could have been its own separate miniseries after the destruction of Lord Z, you know, Erica's return could have been its own third volume of Spellbound. And the art's a little inconsistent. There's that moment where Erica blows up part of the living room and then Snug just 
just sort of disappears from the issue till halfway through the next part. And I thought Snug might have died um, because it's sort of hard to tell with Giant Lion Roy, which I don't know if that's meant to be like a reference to like, you know, Siegfried and Roy and lions. I don't know, but there's magic. But Andrew fucking dies. And in this like moment of sadness, Erica's like, I can't believe my boyfriend's dead. Eh, all right, I'm over it. And then we get Roy in the sexiest little shorts looking so buff while his sister feels him up and <laughs> snarl hand jives. So I love where that, you know, it parts one, two, and three almost try to be real for a second. But part four is like, no, we're this book. Let's not forget we're this book. We're the giant slide book. They really did just fridge the boyfriend, didn't they? Yeah, he just dies. He just- it's almost worse than fridging because it has no it's not for any sort of character development it's almost for the opposite it's almost to be like there's nothing more that can happen for this character she is fully round the bend this poor guy all he did was like take in his like crazy girlfriend who almost died or they thought died his family and like he gets killed because of it damn it and Nico like what you were saying when I thought when she exploded the couch the couch looked like Snarl a little bit and I thought Snarl exploded yeah a thousand percent I, I think the thing that makes her so interesting to me Erica is she's full on Madeline Pryor Goblin Queen in so many ways and it's such a dark descent into mindless madness and the idea that Erica could be contained in this prism and then you know they set her free and now they've got to fight her again the book starts to go on the wildest ride for this conclusion okay this final part all of a sudden we start having sad having the magic dreams okay sure but did anybody else really not know who the fuck this gen girlfriend was like she's in the first part she's in this part roy's making out a lot he's on his third hairstyle he's got a really cool looking guitar he had this girlfriend uh, in the series he did he did yeah I this is the jenny from the you. band yeah oh right yeah so why isn't she in the band isn't Good question. Manager? And why did she look like Lila Cheney in this? Like right they, when she's running up to the him? way the band works is they draw straws for positions from time to time. And so they just like <laughs> that's why Roy's not breakdancing now. She's the manager. Like, this is just how they do it, and it's how they've come to such wild success. But why is Snarl always the drummer? He jumps so well because he imagines it's Lord Z's head. But more importantly, if you look <laughs> when they're jamming out, there's only three members on stage. What happened to the other 12 people in this band slash gang? <laughs> they had to get a fucking job once they graduated high school, let me tell you. And the very idea that they're even doing this show the day after this whole thing with their sister, like when they should be planning to survive, is also completely hilarious. And their, their new surrogate dad just died. Just died, yeah. And it's just like, it's showtime, baby. That showbiz. But they need money. <laughs> oh, you're right. That's even part of my, like, wonder. Does Roy suddenly have, like, a billion dollars from Andrew's family and all of these powers? Like, is this Roy's supervillain origin story? Did he just get the whole world handed to him? And is it, uh, oh, well, but he's better than, than the other ones. And, like, I don't know. Um, we see all of a sudden, in your point, Jonah, about she's a lot like Lord Z at this point. She's hurt by bright lights. 
Yeah, which but she never yeah. hurt was Lord before. Z. Yes, right, because she used to pose for them, mm-hmm. and now she's hurt by the bright lights, and it's Roy who's trapped her. And on that last page, which by the way, this is as fast a last page <laughs> as issue six's last page. Yeah, when he's like trapping her and destroying them with their own power, he looks kind of fucking evil. And I don't know. I do think that there really is something to be said for the fact that I think he's just keeping his sister like I don't know did he melt his sister like I, I don't know I don't know I think Roy is a super villain that we need to deal with at some point I think so he looks very Hyperion when he's melting the bands I was like oh he's gonna be next he's very kid miracle man it's really mm. freaky this this ending drove me nuts like it literally happened and I literally put the book down and I went for fuck's sake <laughs> like it's the most whimper of an ending you could possibly have there is no triumph there is no writing the the new norm there is no like uh, th- there's there's no point where Erica repents. There's none of this. There is just, and we're just gonna lock her into a crystal covered in metal. And okay, I think we're good. All right. And what's next for you, kid? I don't know. I think I'm gonna go play the guitar. Like, there's not even like a point where he levels up. There's no point where he's like, I'm going to go and figure out how to deal with these powers. Like, there's nothing. Absolutely nothing. Wait, did you say there's no point at which he levels up? Because I'm going to point you to the fourth to last panel the anti anti penultimate panel where fucking snug has the balls to say to us we're safe well master you're the spellbinder supreme now (laughs) but does he go to be the spellbinder supreme no he goes home for like a box of checks mix like he doesn't yeah he doesn't accept the new the new cloak. And like this was something that we were talking about in our coverage of Demon Days and the idea of the hero's journey and like how that works. Roy's hero journey is not a hero's journey at all. And he's not even a hero's journey where he refuses it over and over again. Like he's not even every man hero's journey. He's just there. Roy is the male dazzler. <laughs> All he wants to do (laughs) is be in a band. To be fair, he's triple orphaned. So what do you expect him to do? I don't know. Figure it out. Use that rage and impotence and sadness to, you know, get to the next level. Or or be like, I need to go find my new family. People who will understand me at Charles Xavier's Academy for Weird Kids. (laughs) Like, what is he doing? (laughs) Well... I want to go there. (laughs) Uh, I'm like, I'm thinking about it more and I'm still looking at this last page and Sally says, Roy, you did it. It's just like Lord Z's prison. Didn't Lord Z have the other trapped in a crystal, like frozen in form? And like, I don't know, like the more I'm reading this last page, Roy is on the path to become his sister any minute. Like it really is. Uh, I mean, I don't care that he's destroyed the items. Like I understand that he did, but he destroyed them with their own power. So like, does he have it? Did he just pull that power into himself so now no other spellbinder can rise up against him? But that was the thing is that she stopped. She didn't need the bracelets anymore. Yeah, the kids, so all she, three yeah. of them are, Sally is still around and Roy, they both still have powers. Like that's, yeah. I mean, like the, the thing that's just like almost tragic about this is there is still so much story here and everything that we're talking about that is left unresolved would make for a great thing to build off of for mm-hmm. this. Like, mm-hmm. even though this is 
this follow-up is too little and it's too fast and it didn't come in like the grand form that it really it's deserved. far too furious. Far too <laughs> furious. I just want to know how this family of telekinetics all are like, oh, we're not mutants. Yeah, I mean, there's so many little details here that like from 1993 to today, almost 30 years, it boggles my mind that nobody has wanted to revisit this. There's still so much story here. Yeah, because I'm like very shocked that like they sort of make it clear that the telekinetic powers of this fortune family are what sort of make them spellbinders. So yeah. like, is it telekinesis that makes you a spellbinder? How has Jean Grey or Rachel Summers never become a spellbinder? Like, how has this just been dropped dead? When it's such a rich idea where there is no understanding of what a spellbinder even does. Yeah. Well, to be fair, I don't think people chose not to write about this. I don't think people <laughs> know about this. I mean, Louise Simonson's been around. I picture her just, you know, kind of walking around the office being like, hey, you guys remember her Spellbound? <laughs> but yeah, like, because there's some big names on this. You're telling me Christy Steele wasn't like wandering around in other places and being like, well, this is not like when I had to deal with those spellbinder pages and people being like, excuse me, man. Can you please elaborate? That's really where my heart is on this. I've like, I don't know. This really did feel like finding a lost book. I feel like I stumbled into a library and found this, what really amounts to eight issues, maybe nine if you think about the compression rate, right? This is like a really ripe hardcover that is set for Marvel to kind of pull off the shelf and connect with our world in so many ways. And I think, I think this is one of the coolest adventures we've ever gone on as a show. And I've really loved going on it with you guys. And I want to ask kind of a, a playful question as we find ourselves at the end of this series. If there was one thing from the spellbound, you know, canosity that you wish would reappear, what would it be? I know for me, it was the thing that was pitched last episode. I am dying to find the either, you know, cataclysm appear in a band uh, kind of capacity or somebody to find the crystal with Erica in it. Like, I, it's there's, everyone gets two then because I got two. Everyone gets two. What two things does everybody need to see from this series reappear? I, I definitely agree. Cataclysm needs to be the next like cats laughing in comics where like cats laughing would always like randomly appear. So like I really want Cataclysm to like open for Lila Cheney or like open for Dazzler sometime. That would be amazing. And I just for the life of me, I want to know how there are telekinetics that aren't mutants that are a family. I would love to see that brought up again. Me, I wanted to open up as they play Hoku's Perfect Day. And it's this girl, she's waking up in her little bed and there's a cat and the cat is just like, hey, have you heard about spellbinding? And she's like, what? And they're just like, those telekinetic powers are actually spellbinding, ma'am. Please join me. And then they do like a mind melting world where they talk about the history of spellbinders and what a spellbinder means to the universe and the importance of such and why it, and like how there's been this like problem where all the spellbinders have been going mad lately because one guy went mad and it's just a cycle and you can break the cycle young lady and it's a perfect day okay perfect but what's the cat's name <laughs> uh is... the cat's name is luna it's just um <laughs> i was like oh, i was like yeah, luna for real like <laughs> i was gonna say this is just sabrina the teenage witch <laughs> oh, no. 
I just have a lot of questions. And to be honest, I feel like we've been focusing a lot on Roy. And I want to see Sally just like the angstiest, like goth teenager. <sighs> just like everybody around me dies. My brother is off doing something and I don't know what to do. And I'm just, I've got these telekinetic powers and I, kn- and I do have control over them, but I'm just so full of mad. <gasps> yes. I, I would read that series like in a heartbeat. I want all three fortune siblings just back as main characters in something in the Marvel universe. You know, my particular preference is Sally to be in Strange Academy, but really I want all three of them back. And then I want to see Ilyana re-engage with the magic of spellbinding as it kind of pertains to and clashes to the magic that she has known and practiced in Limbo. So, number one, I obviously want, at bare minimum, Erica to be back. I think that there's like a giant well of story potential there for Erica Fortune that I wish and hope that someone would tackle and would give this character the proper nuance and story that I think she deserves. And the second thing I want, I know we said Strange Academy, I want Doctor Strange to arrest these children and to be like... (laughs) What the fuck has been going on here? I I, I have been slacking, apparently. Smuggling Ooh. counterfeit magics from bad dimensions. Ooh, I really, I suddenly want, like, Margali Zardos and Erica Fortune to team up. And, like, Roy has to, like, team up with Amanda Sucks. So many names. <sighs> Guys, it's really been, like, an unbelievable pleasure to journey into the world of Spellbound. And I really hope that everybody enjoys this journey with us. Now, whether you comment, like, retweet, or whatnot, we have a full set of Spellbound we're giving away. And we're going to call one of our interactions at random and give away a full set of Spellbound 1 through 6. So you'll be able to get your hands on it. Additionally, turns out some of our team members here at Excess for Podcast have loved what they've heard so much that we might even need to do a follow-up with a second group of people discussing this madness. And this has just really been like a, a real dream come true and a real pleasure to get to do with you guys. Does anybody have any final words to say to the world of Spellbound before we destroy it with its own power and consider this our retirement? Erica just has so much potential as a character. Lou Simonson, where are you? I want to have a conversation. I need more. Bring it back. Bring it back. 